Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to NBA Top Shot Weekly. I am Alex Kennedy. Usually I am joined by Oliver Maroney, but he is on a business trip. So I have my right-hand man at basketballnews.com. He is one of our senior editors. Spencer Davies joining me. Spencer, what's up, man? Nothing much, man. Just a long day doing some NBA Combine interviews. Felt good to do them, though. And, uh, you know, uh, wrote a couple things today and you know, just pretty much everything. It's It's been a busy you know, a couple of weeks in the association. So I'm sure we'll get into that. But uh, most of all, I'm excited to open a pack live. I've never done that before or seen the show. Uh, not as not as good as some guests that you had in the past, but uh, <laughs> we'll try to do it. <laughs> no, it's going to be fun. There's so much stuff happening in the NBA. So I figure this would be more of an NBA centric show. You know, sometimes we get on here and talk crypto and top shot a whole bunch. That's, uh, you know, Oliver is amazing at breaking down the whole market and everything. We'll get back to that next week. This week, we just want to focus on recent coaching hires we had rick carlisle hired by the indiana pacers uh jason kidd is the front runner in dallas and they're also nearing a gm hire uh we also have a ton of things to talk about in terms of the playoffs the combine we just had the draft lottery this week and i would definitely recommend everyone go to basketballnews.com we have an updated mock draft uh that's right there on the main page you can check that out matt babcock and his staff do an amazing job covering the draft and we're gonna have tons of draft interviews and features over the next few weeks uh, a lot of exclusive interviews with draft prospects uh we also have uh some behind the scenes videos with them too from uh, their pre-draft workout so definitely check that out basketballnews.com right now but let's get right into this nba conversation and as spencer mentioned we do have a pack to open here and then we also have a pack to give away we're going to give that away to someone that retweets this episode on twitter so i'll send out a tweet uh, in a bit here and anyone who retweets that is entered will open the pack up here today and then whoever wins it will get the moment sent to them so you have a chance to win a pack by hanging out with us today we appreciate everyone that's watching uh spencer let's talk about first uh this indiana pacers hire then we'll get into some playoff talk later what were your thoughts on rick carlisle to the pacers you know i thought it was a great hire but we'll get into uh my thoughts here in a second what do you think uh, I think it's a good hire. I am also of the belief uh, that's shared by Reggie Miller that this is on the players now. This is going to be their third coach in you know, less than three years, honestly. Um, they have too much talent to not be in a better position. Uh, you know, Obviously, you have a, a multi-time all-star like Domas Sabonis. You have Malcolm Brogdon in there. Obviously, TJ Warren, Warren was missed, miss, missing from the fold this year, but uh, they just got too much talent in order to, to be at the bottom of that Eastern conference. So 
you know, ultimately it's going to be on the players more than it is a coach. And, you know, if a legendary coach and a championship coach like Rick Carlisle can't get this turned around, I don't know who can. No, I agree with you. And I thought, you know, whenever we, we heard they wanted to bring in someone experienced after what happened with Nate Bjorkren and there wasn't just the issues with players. There was also apparently a lot of behind the scenes drama. Shout out to Jake Fisher from Bleacher Report for doing an amazing article kind of detailing everything that was going on during Bjorkren's tenure there. But it makes sense. They wanted to bring in, you know, someone that had a lot of experience and is well-respected. You know, Carlisle is one of those names that I think a lot of people were surprised that he was available. You know, he'd been in Dallas for so long, won a championship there. You know, a lot of teams wanted his services. He'd also been linked to Boston. Uh, but yeah, for them to be able to land Carlisle, that's huge. And we'll see if he can get the most out of this roster. I also think, you know, at the beginning of last year, the Pacers were one of my favorite teams to watch. They were really exciting. When they were at full strength, they were a really talented team. And then there was obviously a lot of injuries and drama and things like that. I I'm Oh, shout out to Oliver. He's in the chat right now. Uh, shout out to him. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to uh, see what this team looks like at full strength and with Carlisle kind of, you know, working his magic there. We also have another head coach opening the team that Rick Carlisle left the Dallas Mavericks, and they're reportedly uh, about to hire Jason Kidd. He has emerged as a strong front runner. Carlisle also, when he left, said that he thinks, you know, Kidd should take over the, the position. You don't typically see that. A coach leaves no. and then say, here's who I think should be my successor. <laughs> Granted, he coached Jason Kidd in Dallas. They have history there. Uh, and I think a lot of people, you know, were pointing out the fact that Kid and Luca have some similarities in terms of their court vision and, you know, their great rebounding guards and triple double threats and everything there. And Kid has been very complimentary of Luca in the past. What do you, but there's also people that are pointing out, you know, this is someone that has uh, a lot of red flags or things that have happened off the court that are pretty upsetting. Um, you know, domestic violence issues. Uh, I think that's a bit of reason why he hasn't gotten more head coaching opportunities uh, or interviews in the past. Uh, he also wasn't the best head coach in Brooklyn or Milwaukee. You know, we saw how much better that team got whenever he left and Coach Bud stepped in uh, with the Bucks. So what are your thoughts on Jason Kidd being linked to this Mavericks job? Uh, I'm honestly more interested in seeing who the mystery GM and the mystery president of basketball operations is, honestly. Um, but as far as this potential hire goes, I'm not really sure, you know, what the the process is, is here as far as uh, thinking that Jason Kidd, uh, you know, is 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 an answer. Um, you know, I know that, you know, we live and we learn and we have all these, you know, the, the past you know, is the past, but we have, you know, these things that you have to learn from. Um, but then there's those other two teams that you were just mentioning, uh, just from an on-court standpoint, just didn't seem like they, you know, were very successful. And um, I I'm not sure, you know, how much of a, a role he plays in a develop development, um, you know, in winning itself. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just really curious about this, this, this hire, but at the same time, you know, his former teammate, Dirk Nowitzki, who's a consultant in this hiring process with Mark Cuban, uh, is somebody who is endorsing him reportedly and uh, who is also, you know, someone that he's played with and probably respects the heck out of. So, uh, you know, it's obviously a, a little bit of a seesaw is a balancing act kind of uh, when it comes to the discourse around Jason Kidd. Um, but I'm just kind of. I'm iffy on it. I don't know how to feel about them bringing in somebody uh, who, you know, in all likelihood is a retread, uh, you know, just like some other of those coaches that, that get, you know, two, three, four chances. 
and it's possible that you know he learned from those past uh, mistakes that he made in Brooklyn and Milwaukee, and maybe he would be a better coach. Um, you know, maybe there there are, there are always other things that are, that factor in when a coach struggles too. Maybe the circumstances and situation would be better. But the thing for me is just the off court incidents. You know, the yeah. the issues that he's had. You know, it's obviously had the domestic violence one. There was also, I believe, the DUI uh, that happened uh years ago there's i mean a lot of people are kind of pointing out some of these issues and you know given what we kind of seen from the mavericks uh, organization too they were kind of turning things around and trying to fix that toxic workplace that you know we all heard about years ago uh so i'm not a huge fan of a move from that standpoint uh we'll see if it happens too i do want to stress he's emerged as the front runner nothing is official yet he has not been hired so we'll see if he ends up getting the job but it's it's looking like that's going to happen um, I'm curious to see what that looks like and if they, you know, if they end up making that decision. Uh, let's talk about this N- these NBA playoffs. I think this has been the best postseason. It's been so much fun. Uh, you've had, I mean, initially all the talk was, oh, there's no LeBron James. There's no Stephen Curry. You've heard people talking about, oh, it's small markets. Uh, but what we've seen is a ton of younger stars stepping up and shining and making the most of this opportunity from, you know, you wrote a great article today about Trey Young and Devin Booker and their fearlessness and how they're basically demanding everyone give them attention. And after, you know, Trey Young, the Hawks, I think, had like one nationally televised game in the first half of the season. Uh, they didn't have they, they were barely put on national TV. And that's after having a really interesting offseason where they made a bunch of big moves that everyone's kind of paying attention to. Uh, I know in the past they haven't really been on national TV a lot either. So these guys like Trey, Booker, John Morant, uh, you know, all these young talents, DeAndre Ayton, that, you know, maybe weren't getting the respect or attention they deserved, they're now demanding it. And it's been so much fun to watch. What are your thoughts before we get into some specific series on this postseason as a whole? Uh, I've enjoyed it immensely. I've been telling people that you're missing out if you were watching for, you know, one player or, you know, one market, whatever it may be, this is still an opportunity for the casual fan to be introduced to, to these new talents. Uh, you have some very captivating personalities, not only just talents, but personalities. Um, it, and they're all different in their own right. You know, like there's some guys that are in your face, kind of like a, a Donovan Mitchell and, you know, Trey Young being the villain that he is and embracing that role. Um, with, you know, getting F-bombs hurled at him from every, you know, opposing crowd, but he just feeds off of it. Yep. Devin Booker, you know, going scrapping, getting a loose ball and, you know, getting his nose broken open uh, by Pat Bev when when he had the ball in his hands. Like, there's so many talents. You know, we didn't even mention Luka, you know, the the way that Luka has started his playoff career, um, even though he's only played one team. (laughs) <laughs> but, uh, you know, like it's just these these ridiculously good talents that are just, you know, you know, magnetic, like you're just drawn into watching them. And uh, it's funny that you mentioned, uh, you know, the, the, the Trey Young, Devin Booker article. And, and you said that, yeah, they, they are demanding attention, but I think they're more than demanding it. I think they're seizing it at this point, um, just from the, the way that they are competing for their teams. Um, no matter what the situation is, obviously Trey's got some banged up teammates like Bogey right now doesn't look like himself. Um, you know that Devin Booker uh, had to step up a little bit more because Chris Paul's been out. Of course, you got to give some love to Campaign, who <laughs> coming off of a 29, you know, point uh, game. But we're going to talk about the series later. But just as far as uh, you know, these these young stars that are just developing, we even talk about Jason Tatum. It's another one that's blossoming in front of our very eyes. So. 
it's it's just a joy to see this mantle kind of being passed. It's not completely passed yet. Let's not get too crazy. Mm-hmm. But this is the glimpse of what the league is going to look like, uh, you know, come two or three years from now. Yeah, and real quick, uh, not to get too off topic here, but we do have an update a bit on the Mavs front office. Michael Finley is expected to remain in the front office. It's unclear if he's staying in the same role, uh, which is vice president of basketball operations, or if he's being promoted. Uh, However, Mark Cuban is also close to adding a new executive into the mix as well, according to Tim McMahon of ESPN. So we'll keep an eye on that. If something breaks while we're on here, we're going to hang out here for probably about 30, 40 minutes. We'll talk about that if there's a higher, but uh, just interesting to kind of note since you were saying that's what you were paying attention to. Uh, but yeah, it's been so much fun watching this postseason and just the quality of games too. You've had so many games that came down to the wire and that have been just really entertaining to watch. It's not even just, you know, the young stars that are stepping up. It's that you have so many close games and there's actual parody. You know, who thought entering the season, we'd be talking about these final four teams, especially Atlanta. <laughs> Atlanta, uh, they're a team that, you know, at the all-star break was under 500 and had they no were 14 all-stars. and 20, man. They were 14 it's, and 20. It's crazy. And granted, they had some injuries and absences, but still, I mean, the way they turn their season around is remarkable. Uh, you all, they also had like, you know, back then the behind the scenes drama where Trey Young and John Collins were getting into it during film sessions, apparently. So their turnaround has been amazing. Phoenix has been incredible to watch. Uh, the Clippers, even after losing Kawhi, have been able to get here. Milwaukee, I think Milwaukee and LA are the two teams that probably people expected to be here the most. Uh, but still, I mean, com- I think most people thought we'd have at least one of the Nets or Lakers in the conference finals. So uh, I like the parody. I think it's been fun watching, you know, not knowing which one of these teams is going to win the championship. In past years, it feels like we have these two teams that are on a collision course, and one of them is a huge favorite. You know, for years, it was Warriors, Cavs. Uh, so it's nice to kind of see, uh, you know, some more parody. I think that's been pretty fun. Uh, so tonight we have Clippers Suns, and I want to get your thoughts on that series and kind of what we've seen so far. Again, your article today about Devin Booker was fantastic. I know you've been talking about you know these series a lot on your podcast, uh, Keeping It 94. It's an excellent podcast. Uh, everyone check it out. Spencer hosts it with Brian Fritz. Uh, you can check it out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Anywhere you're watching this, you can find that podcast. Uh, so check that out for sure. But what are your thoughts on this Clippers Suns series so far, what we've seen? You know, the fact that the Suns have been able to win two games even without Chris Paul. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that uh, you're seeing a a lot of execution down the stretch because these have been by no stretch, like blowouts. These have been good games, very good games. Um, The Clippers really lost an opportunity in game two. Uh, As we know, Devin Booker didn't have the the best shooting day. Um, He made the ones that counted down the stretch when he was going back and forth with Chris, with, with uh, Paul George, but the Clippers should have pulled that out because Paul George, as we know, missed the two free throws. Um, even though he made the big shots to get him there, he didn't make the two that were the most important. And then we all know about the value. That was one of the coolest plays that, that, that we've seen probably in postseason history. Uh, Monty Williams, you know, Patriano. <laughs> yep. Monty Williams shouted out uh, Brett Brown, I believe was one coach that he shouted out. And then Joe Prunty, uh, former Milwaukee Bucks head coach. But, uh, I, I think that the the games have been extremely entertaining. Uh, the, you know, g- the difference between game one and game two was crazy because, um, you know, game two was of more of a grinded out type of game, whereas game one, I feel like neither team could really miss. <laughs> um, but I think that you're seeing the, you know, the rise of these players that are going to, you know, really try and cash out. 
um, at some point here. Like, I mean, I just mentioned earlier campaign coming out with a, you know, a career high 29 had nine assists. Uh, I thought he had an excellent game. Um, you know, it's just been a really cool story to see him. I know that you've got something planned for that, but um, he's just been so, so fun to watch and just, you know, knowing him uh, and, and, you know, having talked to him when he was on his 10 day here in Cleveland, I just know he's a great guy. And, um, you know, to see him just persevere the way he has has been awesome. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum for, you know, the, for the Clippers, I look at a guy like Reggie Jackson, who throughout this postseason uh, has really, really come into his own uh, just as, as far as making big shots when they need him most. And, uh, you know, being that guy to kind of cool off uh, the opposing team whenever they make runs or, you know, the Clippers need to come back. Um, as far as where the series goes, I'm going to go ahead and say that the Clippers, even though Chris Paul is reportedly coming back tonight for game three, I think the Clippers pull this one out. We all know the same song and dance here with Teron Lue and the Clippers in the playoffs, right? Mm -hmm. Get down 0-2, go back home, and then the series starts. The problem I have with this, though, uh, is that in the Western Conference Finals, it's a lot different. Uh, the, you know, the competition is, is not only better, but it's more focused. Uh, this Suns team, you'd be hard pressed to uh, not to, to you know to have them uh, not out execute you because they have been so selfless this entire playoff run. Uh, it you know everyone looks at the Devin Booker's and the Chris Pauls, but you know what about the Mikel Bridges? What what about Jay Crowder, um, who obviously did not have the best shooting night the other day, but made the biggest play of the game with with a great inbound pass to DeAndre Ayton to make that play possible. Uh, you know, Cam Johnson, another guy who's coming off the bench and making big, big shots. I thought Dario Saric looked pretty dang good. So they are very team oriented and I'm, I'm, uh, you know, really excited to see where they are, but the, you know, the Clippers, they're clearly missing Kawhi. Uh, Paul George is going to need to take his game, you know, from, from one B to, to one a, and, uh, you know, Marcus Morris being banged up doesn't help at all. We'll see how the rotations shake out. I think that Ty is going to, you know, probably try to go a little bit smaller again. Uh, you know, play a little, little bit less uh, Zubats because you know he clearly had some trouble with Aiton, at least on the defensive end. And um, I, I feel like we'll see a little bit more Nick Batum, and we'll see if uh, Terrence Mann can find that magic he found in Game Seven in that last series. For sure. You mentioned campaign. I am working on an article about just his journey. I think it's incredible. Uh, if you can't tell, I have a soft spot for the small guards that had a crazy journey to get to this point. I did one on Seth Curry last series uh, or last round. Now I'm doing something on campaign. I actually met Cam when he was going through the pre-draft process. He was working out at IMG Academy here in Florida, and I just loved his personality his charisma he was so funny and uh his journey has been incredible you know he was overseas in china a year ago uh he got cut by that team in china and then joined g league squad um it, it's pretty remarkable to see where he's at now you know starting games dropping as many points as he has i mean it's been amazing and one thing i will spoil my article a little bit here uh but one thing that i thought was amazing was when he was in chicago there was a quote from a Bulls coach, it was off the record, but the coach said, we knew the second practice after he was acquired that he couldn't play at the NBA level. The only reason it took two practices was because we thought maybe it was nerves in the first one. Any Bulls coach who says differently is lying. So to go from his coaches writing him off 
one practice in or two practices in saying, yeah, this guy can't play at the NBA level to what he's doing now on this stage is pretty remarkable. So I love stories like that. That article should be dropping tomorrow. So check that out. I'm going to wait until after tonight's game. So we have the updated stats and things there, but uh, yeah, his story is amazing. After uh, Cam so- goes out and drops a 50 burger, that's what you're waiting on. Yeah. Cam, come on, buddy. I need it for tonight. <laughs> Help the article. Um, what are your thoughts on the other series? And I guess I, I want your predictions too for, you know, who you think we're going to see in the NBA finals, obviously Phoenix up 2-0, but uh, you wrote again about Trey Young today, but what are your thoughts on kind of this hawks buck series? So I, I think in game one, uh, I feel like, you know, I'm seeing a lot that the, the Bucks didn't know like how to run their offense. I thought they were a lot looser in that, in this, uh, this game. I felt when Drew Holiday had the ball in his hands, uh, I, I made a joke on on my podcast that I, early, I recorded earlier today uh, is that he guarded KD so much and he guarded Kyrie so much that he saw so many pull-ups that he just tried it himself and it worked. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he started making his shots. So Chris, you know, I mean, uh, so so Drew was really big for when Chris was, you know, having his struggles because for some reason, Chris Middleton can't get going in game ones. Um, but I, I fully expect him to find it. But the, the thing that we've talked about, you know, on, on Clubhouse and on Twitter spaces and on whatever lives that we, we, we've talked on is talking about how Giannis is a big man and he just needs to buy into that. And I feel like Coach Bud used him that way a lot in the fourth quarter when they made that run to go up by seven. Uh, you saw him roll into the cup a lot. You saw him, you know, setting screens and slipping and whatever it may be. And he had like three alley-oops like in like five possessions. And, uh, and you know, what's harder to stop than someone his size, uh, you know, skying for a dunk uh, without the ball. So I feel like they need to, you know, utilize that play more often. Uh, I think that the Bucks will be fine. Uh, Chris Middleton's not going to go six of 23 uh, again. I, he's just a guy that just needs to feel it out. Uh, I I did want to say that uh, Bobby Portis, after, you know, missing the previous three games, uh, after he was, you know, booted from the rotation in the Nets series, this is more of a series for him. Um, And he clearly looked really good in the first half, but didn't quite go back to him in the second half much. Maybe he should have. But overall, I was kind of, I was kind of happy with Bud's rotations uh, on the outside looking in the way that the majority of the fourth quarter, uh, he closed with Giannis at the five and had Pat Connaughton in there. Now, you can always question drawing up a play for Pat Connaughton when you have Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday and Giannis Antetokounmpo on your team. But um, I I think that uh, that was a little bit of a learning experience and maybe an adjustment we saw from him. Uh, But on the opposite end, and this is what I got into on my article, you know, Chris Middleton has trouble getting going in game ones. Trey Young does not have trouble getting going in game ones so far. All of them have been on the road. And all of them have been setting the earth on fire. And, <laughs> and this guy, the funny thing is, Alex, is he's not even shooting the three that great. He's taking, you know, like he's taking a, a ton of them, but he's doing his damage when he turns the corner off of the high screen, gets Nikai's, towards. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was saying on that point, Nikai's had a great like line in his article about Trey and said he's not Steph Curry in, in terms of accuracy but he is in terms of audacity like even if he's not shooting the highest percentage he still pulls out from the pulls up from the logo and uh it makes you they have to defend it out there and it creates so much room for him to drive and so much space for everyone else so yeah you're 100 right yeah yeah and you know where he does the most damage is when he gets that high screen from Capella up top 
uh, you know, he'll he'll turn the corner and get either to the nail or to either corner area of that key, maybe a little bit further in, and then he'll either float it or he'll lob it to Capella or lob it to Collins. And it's just so hard as it as a defense to know which one he's gonna which one he's gonna do. And, you know, a lot of people are, are trying to figure out like, oh, it'd be, you know, if they knew what they were doing, they'd stop Trey. Okay, well, the two teams before this couldn't do it. So, yeah. like, why do you think it's so easy? It's not because he's so quick at understanding and reading. And uh, I thought the craziest play he had last night, it wasn't the shimmy, disrespectful as hell, but very cool. <laughs> um, it was the and one where he was going left and Holiday bumped into him. And he just threw up this prayer. It was like a 16, 17 foot one handed fading away right handed. Like it was dumb. And he made the N1 and that sparked the entire like run that the Hawks made when they were down by seven with four minutes and change to go. So that was huge. Uh, You know, Trey pretty much had to do it on his own yesterday. I will say John Collins. Uh, particularly in the last four or five games, has looked really, really good. He's looked really, really good. Um, not only just you know as a as an offensive contributor, but just the fight, uh, the fight on the glass. I think uh, the offensive rebounds that were huge uh, between him and Capella, they had thirty four rebounds. That's a, that's incredible. Um, like I, I think that John is starting to feel that swagger again. You know, he's kind of been relegated to that third, fourth option on the offensive end, and that's tough to deal with. Uh, but with Bogey being a little gimpy the way he is, you know, um, you know, and, and they you know, they have some other, you know, situations going on as far as, you know, like they, they don't, they, they have a lot of role players. Um, John Collins is, is a lot better than a role player. So yeah. like it, that, you know, to be relegated to a role like that is, is tough. So I think that John's finally finding this this niche uh, that he has with Trey and, you know, with Bogey, who is, you know, a solid distributor. Um, you know, Gallo's coming off the bench and giving them, uh, you know, a decent punch. I think Lou Williams, uh, who was huge for them in uh, game six of last series, um, is a very good calming influence. And then Solomon Hill coming out of nowhere and throwing down a two-handed dunk in the opener. I didn't, didn't see that one coming, but uh, they, they have – this is what I said on the pod. I was like, the Hawks know damn sure that they should not be here, which makes them extra dangerous. It makes them extra dangerous for that. Absolutely. Uh, and by the way, check out Spencer's podcast. Keep it at 94. It's a great podcast that he does every single week. Um, I, I'm One thing you mentioned Trey Young and just how no defense has been able to stop him. And I'm going to sound like an old man for a second, but I kind of want your thoughts on this and then also the chat's thoughts on this. But we've seen like in the past that, Guards that are much smaller come postseason time, you know, teams will get very physical with them. They would beat them up. If you're going to drive in and try to, you know, pull up a floater or, you know, especially with the way he's being kind of disrespectful, uh, you know, doing the shimmy and, uh, you know, going at the, uh, the crowd. Don't drop against like him for goodness sake. Why are you <laughs> dropping? Right. Like you would think someone would have, you know, put him on his butt by now. And it's, it's just a different NBA these days. Cause like, even, I mean, not to say, 
I'm, I'm not saying I want anyone to get injured to be clear, but you would think the team to try to be roughing him up a bit or like when Luca had the neck injury and then he was still able to go out there and just put up ridiculous points and rebounds and assists and do everything like in the past, it wasn't that long ago that, you know, I was covering like the NBA finals between the heat and the Spurs and Chris Bosch was injured and the Spurs players were saying, we're going to go after that injury. It's his weakness. You know, it's, it's part of the game. You know, if he wants to play, then we're going to attack. I think it was his leg. I forget exactly what it was, but um, that's how, I mean, that wasn't that long ago, but it feels like that, you know, physicality or, Hey, let's not let him disrespect us and then just continue to put up 49 points. You know, you would think uh, you would think there'd be some more physicality. Am I, am I wrong for saying that? Do you think that, you know, is, is that just not how the NBA is anymore? And I'm being an old man. No, no, you're, you're, you're right. Um, I do think that this is also, you know, I always, I hate going back to this, but you know, you cover Ty Lue so long <laughs> in Cleveland and you just start going with his, his sayings, uh, but you know, the Lueisms and, and, you know, even <laughs> LeBron, even though LeBron was here with Ty, you know, game one is a very, very much so a feel out game. Um, you know, you kind of have to, you know, you, you can watch so much film, but it's until you're on the court with them that you really get, you know, you really get a good, good sense of what they're going to do. Um, and also at the same time, you know, it's, it's a little less personal when it's like that too. Cause, cause you haven't seen these guys, you've been seeing another team for seven straight games. Um, I think that they're going to probably have PJ Tucker get into him a little bit more next game, try and frustrate him. Um, I think that, you know, you're not going to have him on him like one-on-one -on -one a lot because Trey's just going to blow by him because, you know, PJ's in his mid-30s. But um, I think they're going to see, you know, a couple different looks thrown his way. Uh, but again, you know, I mentioned it when you were going on your rant, like don't drop against the guy. I mean, if he's going to beat you by, you know, by getting by you, that's a lot better than him being able to stare you down and shoot a three wide open with five seconds to spare i think it was that i counted <laughs> like um definitely don't you know two is less than three there's your analytics <laughs> but like i i think that this was a huge game for the hawks to win um just because that again gives them that confidence and you know they're going on a little bit of a media run you can tell you know clint capella has been talking a little bit uh, in the postseason, and good, you know, good for him. Um, you know, John Collins went on, you know, TNT last night saying, you know, no one really watched us, and you know, this isn't surprising to us. You, you know, you just, you guys didn't watch us this year. So, um, the fact that they're, you know, making this competition like this, um, I don't know if they're going to win this series, but uh, you know, you got to respect the fight that they've brought. Shout out to uh, Oliver, too. He's in the chat, and he brought up a good point. Uh, he said Trey's first moment is undervalued on Top Shot. I know we're spending more time on playoffs and you know, actual NBA today. We'll get back to more Top Shot talk next week. Uh, he says the first moment ever minted on Top Shot, and it's also Trey's first moment. So uh, very interesting. I know Oliver's also pointed out that Giannis – is somewhat undervalued on top shot as well. I think it's partially because he has so many moments, but that's been another one that Oliver's attacked and said, you know, he's way too undervalued uh, on top shot as well. So we're going to open up a pack here in a second. We also have a pack to give away to someone who retweets uh, our tweet with this stream in it. Uh, I already put, posted on Twitter. So if you want to enter that uh, giveaway, just go over to my Twitter account at Alex Kennedy NBA and retweet that tweet. And we'll figure out, you know, in 72 hours who the winner is and give, 
someone this pack. We're going to open that today so you can see what you get. If we get some crazy moment, if we, we get a LeBron, that thing is going to get so many retweets <laughs> just because people are going to actually see what it was that they could win. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, go enter that contest. Uh, Spencer, so you've, I know you said, uh, do you have your uh, pack ready to go here? You just yeah, I have, the, I have the tab open. I don't know how to do this. Okay, though. Let's here, see, I'll let's do mine. Can do, let's see if I can do it a little bit better than Clips. I know Clips took a little while <laughs> to find it. I'll pull mine up too, just so that we're ready to go. Actually, you know what? While we do that, I'm going to read our uh, our sponsor uh, here. I'm going to shout out our sponsor, uh, who is BetQL. Do you want an advantage over the sports books during the NBA playoffs? How about an inside edge in this MLB season? You need to download BetQL, the only app you'll need to make smart bets. Their best bet algorithm scans over 350,000 bets per year to give you a best bet recommendation for every game across all major sports. They also give you the reasoning behind why you should place each bet. BetQL also has tons of other tools like sharp data so you can see who the pros are backing and line movement so you can jump on betting opportunities in real time. Plus, you can save all your picks in one place to track your success and winning streaks as well as view your rank on their leaderboards. Head to the App Store or Google Play Store to download BetQL. They have a great app. Enter the discount code TOPSHOT at payment checkout for 25% off any of their subscription offerings. They also have some deals right now because it's the playoffs. So if you go over to the App Store or Google Play Store, download BetQL, enter the discount code TOPSHOT at payment checkout, and you get 25% off their subscription offerings on top of whatever deal they're doing because of the playoffs. Uh, don't miss out on the chance to beat your sports book this summer. Thanks, BetQL. All right. I think you're good to go. Look at that. Hey, Perfect first timing. try? First try? Yeah, that's impressive. All right. Uh, <laughs> take that, Clips. Uh, oh, here we go. I like the energy Oliver's putting out there. He said you're going to get a LaMelo. Uh, All right, let's see. I like I've it. Never, I've never opened a pack live, so this is this is interesting. No pressure. Am, am I good to go? Yeah, go for it. All right. So we have a streak on the show. We've had... Between our packs, I, Oliver and I haven't had this luck, but we've had like six or seven LeBrons pulled in our giveaway packs, uh, which is pretty ridiculous. People enter each week to try to win uh, a pack, and we've had like six or seven LeBrons that popped up randomly. So uh, we'll see if uh, we'll see if we keep that streak alive. But you can go ahead and open. Hopefully, right. we do keep it alive. LeBron, Lamelo, we'll see who we uh, who we got here. Where's the NBA Top Shot Weekly uh, audio here? We, do we have a drum roll? Or do we got anything? Any sound I, I effects? I create one. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty weak, but hey, I tried. <laughs> Whoa, that was crazy. All right. Let's see. I start middle. You know, I, I, I get an eat. assist. Raul Neto. All right. Let's see what the number is. 10,152 out of, is it 12,000? Yes, 12,000. That's not bad. That's limited. Okay. Sorry, I couldn't see it. All right. Oh, there we go. Luther providing the the, uh, the drum roll. Much better than I did. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see here. You got a Clippers got a dunk. dunk. Zubac. Zoo. Let's see. What's the number? Read off those numbers, too. Uh, 33,897 out of 40,000 plus. Okay. And then LaMelo last, not a bad pack. You're going to get LaMelo right here. Speaking into existence, LaMelo, Charlotte Hornets logo pop up. Oh, uh, I got a Cavs one. It's Kevin Love. It's a Kevin Love home run pass. 
<laughs> now this 12, is twelve thousand nine hundred eighty-two out of forty thousand plus. Now Spencer, for those of you who don't know, is from Cleveland. Uh, he is our resident Cavs expert uh, at BasketballNews.com. Uh, so fitting that you got a Kevin Love. It is quite fitting that I got a Kevin Love. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm going to open up my pack here, and then as soon as uh, after that, we have the giveaway pack to open. So let me go ahead and get this ready. In a second here, we'll open up the giveaway pack. We'll start with this one first. Okay, let me share my screen. Okay. Can you see that? I can see it. Okay, cool. Let's get it ready. All right, like I said, I start middle. Oh, oh. maybe I should have done that. Jaden McDaniels. It's ooh, that's a good serial. He, 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 he had one heck of a year. Um defensively, that dude, that dude's a problem. That dude is a problem. So Spencer, how familiar are you with Top Shot? I know we had talked about it like on Clubhouse. So how, did you start collecting back then? Like how how involved are yeah. you with Top Shot? Yeah, yeah. I started on Top Shot uh, basically when you guys started this show. Um, mm. and I've got a number of moments that I purchased back then. Um, you know, quite a few of, of, of my favorite players that I went with. Um, you know, I've got a, a, a John Collins on there. Let's see what else I got here. I'll take a look. Okay. It's been a little while, but so this uh, is a yeah. real quick while you do that, the serial here, 763 out of 40,000, you know, anytime you can get in the top 1000 and obviously if you can get even higher, that's great, but low serial, not bad there. Also a JJ Reddick, 9,594 out of 12,000. So it's a limited edition. We'll take it. Um, still weird to see JJ in a Mavericks uniform. Um, <laughs> and then I'll open this one. Then we'll get to your collection here. We got a Spurs assist Lonnie Walker. 30,048 out of 40,000. That's a great assist. It is. So nice. Very nice. I enjoyed my Raul Neto one. That was really, really nifty. Yeah. All right. So walk me through uh, some of your best moments that you have. So the best one that I've actually pulled from a pack so far has been Devin Vassell. Uh, it was a, let's see what this is, uh, play from the rookie season. It was minted is a minted, uh, 865 number 865 out of 40,000. It was a dunk. Um, let's see. Uh, I picked up a Shea Gilgis Alexander. I've got a Trey young three pointer. Um, uh, John Collins dunk, uh, 4,764 out of 15,000. Uh, I have a Derek Jones Jr. dunk, uh, which was his first available uh, top shot moment. Mm, and then nice. I uh, also have a Darius Garland layup. That is uh, really nice. And then I also got a uh, OG and a Nobi in there. So uh, I, I have some some decent stuff in here. We'll, we'll see as uh, I keep collecting if, you know, it gets better and stuff, which I'm sure it will. But um, I've, I've enjoyed it so far. It's been fun. And uh, I'm glad you guys introduced me to it. Awesome. So this is the giveaway pack. We're going to open this up to see what we got here. Uh, again, if you haven't entered, go to my Twitter account at Alex Kennedy NBA. We're going to pick a winner in 72 hours. Uh, I'm going to pin my, I'm going to pin this tweet actually so that everyone can find it easily. Let me do that. 
Okay, that is pinned. So if you go to my Twitter account, enter that, then uh, you'll be entered in the giveaway or retweet that, you'll be entered in the giveaway. So check that out and let's see what the giveaway pack has inside. Start in the middle. Lakers. Look, hey, what did I just say? A LeBron right off the rip. This is, so this you. is tradition, huh? This is crazy. We've had now, I think, eight LeBrons in our giveaway packs. Like, it legitimately seems like it's rigged. If people are watching this, they're like, oh, Top Shot probably rigs this because they want to get people to think that uh, in the giveaways that there's tons of LeBrons. But it, this is so random. This is crazy to me. This keeps happening. Well, now... <laughs> If you haven't retweeted the tweet already, you better go do it because someone's going to get a LeBron this LeBron James. in here, guys, and it's 6,237. That's, that's a good serial number. 6,237 out of 35,000. Limited edition. We got a LeBron. I'm going to tweet it out again and make sure people are retweeting and watching. Um, that's a lot more valuable than the 10 bobbleheads I have in this background right here, LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. I'm tweeting this out. Uh, what was it. it like covering LeBron? You had him in oh, Cleveland man. there. What was that I, like? Who? Uh, the the best thing that I can tell you is actually from the last year when you know Kyrie Irving went to the Celtics, um, and the, the Cavs brought in Jay Crowder, Isaiah Thomas, um, but then you know they they ended up with Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance and all that you know all that jazz. They made all those moves. But the point is. That playoff run was one of the best individual performances and string of games that I've ever seen in my life. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm going back to the the series against the Pacers to where Victor Oladipo really had his coming out party. Um, it was actually a Nate McMillan coach team um, that that gave them a ton of grief in that first round. Uh, but I just remember the you know the game winner there. Uh, in one of those games, I remember the game winner against uh, the Raptors in the second round, uh, which sorry to the dishes and dimes late ladies, but I have, <laughs> you know, three different versions of that on my phone because it was just, these were just an unbelievable feats um, and the physical shape that he was in and the minutes that he was playing, he was playing darn near 42 minutes a game. I want to say, and it was superhuman to watch that. It was in 2018. If you guys ever have a chance and I'm sure I, I know it wasn't that long ago, but it feels long ago. Uh, but you know, for anyone that's, you know, not, uh, you know, young enough to, to, or not, you know, not old enough to know, uh, the LeBron run with the Cavs in his final year of his second stint, th that playoff run was unlike any other. And, you know, if it wasn't for George Hill miss free throw and, you know, J.R. Smith, you know, not having the awareness of, you know, the ball, they could have won that first game in Golden State, as we all know, <laughs> you know, but yeah, uh, but LeBron just he was just incredible. Uh, he still is. But, uh, you know, the first go round, I just remember as a kid and it was just the athleticism yeah. that was crazy. Well, someone is getting this LeBron James moment, head over to my Twitter account and retweet it. Let's see what else we got here. Real quick, before we open the last two moments here, the Mavericks are negotiating with respected Nike executive Nico Harrison about taking over as the team's president of basketball operations. So we've seen teams go, you know, hire NBA agents, uh, whether Outside it's Rob Lincoln, Bob Myers. Apparently he's a longtime Nike executive, very respected, must have relationships with a lot of the Nike guys. So Interesting. Uh, and apparently he is involved in the Jason Kidd uh, talks as well. It says the hope of hiring Harrison alongside Jason Kidd is the next coach. So 
Mark Stein of uh, the New York Times reporting that. Very interesting. So we'll talk about that here in a second. Let's open the rest of this giveaway pack. Um, we have a Clippers three. Marcus Morris, two thousand. Or I'm sorry, twenty thousand four hundred ninety-two out of forty thousand. Got to make them tonight, Mook. Got to make them tonight. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you're healed up. Yeah, that he's an X factor for them for sure. Against his former team too, the team that traded him to the Clippers. Uh, all right, last moment. We got a Suns assist campaign. Two hey, guys hey, that are playing What tonight. is the chances? What is the That's chances? That's crazy. Fourteen thousand two hundred and seventy-six out of forty thousand. The guy that everyone's talking about right now after his last game, can he top that tonight or even perform half as good? That was an amazing game. We'll see what campaign and Marcus Morris can do tonight. That's happening in 15 minutes. That's why we actually move the show earlier, for those of you wondering. We typically go live at around 9, 9.30, but we're trying to move them up throughout the rest of the playoffs so we're not competing with those broadcasts, and you guys can watch both. Uh, but wow, that LeBron James moment. Again, if you guys want to enter for a chance to win this LeBron moment, go to Al at Alex Kennedy NBA on Twitter, retweet my pinned tweet, and we'll pull someone's name in 72 hours, and this LeBron moment can be yours. So awesome. It really is. It really <laughs> is. All right. So Shoot. real quick, before we jump off here, uh, again, make sure you guys enter that giveaway. Uh, shout out to Regina in the chat. Uh, appreciate you Hi, stopping Regina. by. One of our uh, favorites from Clubhouse is uh, now in our, entered our live stream, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, let's uh, let's talk about this Mavericks news. I think it's pretty interesting. Um, it kind of reminds me of like when we first saw agents make that transition over with Bob Myers, Rob Palenka, Leon Rose, Arntello, and we started seeing these agents getting hired in executive roles. I mean, this is kind of the next uh, version of that, where you have a Nike executive who. Similar to the agents, the thought was, okay, it's a little bit different because the agents at least knew the CBA and were on the other side of the negotiate, you know, other side of the table during these negotiations. Uh, but the thought process was someone that has connections with a lot of players so they can recruit easily and use those relationships. You'd have to imagine if it's, if it's, if it's a longtime Nike executive that's known some of these guys since they were in college or their first, you know, rookies, who knows? Maybe he has a lot of connections. I'm going to look into this and do some research into who he is because uh, I don't know much about Nico Harrison, admittedly, while you kind of weigh in on just the, the thoughts of hiring a longtime Nike executive as uh, a president of basketball operations. Well, you know, obviously it's unorthodox. But if Michael Finley's around and if Dirk Nowitzki's around, they're clearly going to help the, the basketball decision making. Because that's right. That's the biggest thing that a president uh, does or a GM does, right? Is position a team. Because is he going to know how to draft? Is he going to know how to add people in free agency, shape trades, all of that? That that is what's going to be the difference. Like this is why you make such a you know combined effort in a front office. You don't want too many cooks in the kitchen. But if you have some people that have played for the organization and have done work with the organization, like like Dirk and like Finns, like that's big time. So as long as those guys can wrap around him and if they can use that as sort of a um, what what's the word for it? A catalyst, I guess, uh, to to helping him make these decisions and help him, uh, you, you know, utilize those connections in the proper way then sure then sure uh you know someone can endorse it and 
you can see it. Uh, my my gripe is, you know, uh, I think that it's a little too risky of a situation to gamble on, um, knowing that, you know, these reports are coming out about Luca, and uh, you know, wanting to keep him happy and whatnot, right? Um, you think you would want someone a little bit more experienced in this role? You think you would want someone um, who's been there, done that, uh, has a proven track record, has the uh, not only the the ability to make the decisions, but handling interpersonal relationships uh, on a team and with players, I think, is a little different than doing it from a sponsorship standpoint or a you know, marketing standpoint. It's a little different, I think. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see um, how Nico does, but uh, this is clearly an unorthodox outside of the box hire. And um, I'm wondering, you know, what, what Mark's thoughts were behind it. And I'm sure we'll get an answer. So I'm doing some research on him here. So he was a uh, college basketball player at Montana State University. He was one of the best defensive players in the con uh, conference. He was first team all conference. This is in the early 90s. And then he joined nike shortly after playing um and became he was in charge of recruiting and retaining star talent um so he was involved with uh kobe bryant lebron james some of the biggest names at nike was basically their, their liaison so he has a lot of uh you know relationships with nike stars and in, including lebron james uh, apparently his relationship with a lot of these players specifically kobe is why he kind of rose the ranks at nike and uh gained a lot of fans around the company so it'll be interesting to see if he can use some of those relationships with nike stars because i mean you look at the the nike roster it's ridiculous uh is so, his background pr or is it like so no he was uh it looks like it says he was a liaison and doing recruiting and retaining so he was okay. basically like the agent version nike's agent <laughs> essentially okay. all right yeah well. <laughs> so he was in charge of signing players. Uh, and yeah, he right. does have a playing background. He played four years in college uh, and was all conference. Uh, most recently, he was VP of North American. Oh, I'm sorry. VP of North America basketball marketing. So he was also voted one of the top 100 most influential people in the NBA. Um, wow. So yeah, he's very respected. Um, maybe this is kind of move that the Mavericks need to kind of shake things up and, and be a player in free agency. We've seen over the years, they've had a hard time trying to land free agents, whether, you know, they've always been linked to different guys, whether it was even going back, you know, LeBron, Dwight Howard, like they were always pursuing Chris Bosch. They were always pursuing different guys, but they had a hard time actually securing those commitments. Maybe this, someone like this that has those kind of relationships can be a game changer for them. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see, who they surround him with. I think that's an important part of this. Do they put, you know, experienced executives around him so that he has people to lean on in terms of the CBA and things like that. It almost reminds me of whenever the Lakers hired Rob Polinka and magic yeah. Johnson, and they had them go to like CBA school uh, and meet with Adam silver and learn the intricacies of the CBA. Now Polinka obviously had more experience with it than, uh, than magic did because he was an agent, but you know, you can you, you can learn the CBA and those side of things. Uh, yeah. If he's good at negotiations and has all the relationships, maybe that's what the Mavericks need, especially because, you know, Mark Cuban is going to be super involved no matter what. I mean, for a while there, there was I think it was in uh, the athletic article. They said teams would sometimes reach out directly to Mark. So it's really a two headed approach here between Mark and, and Nico. If they end up actually giving him the job, it sounds like as of right now, uh, Nico and Kid are the two front runners, but there's no actual announcement or hiring yet. Uh, 
Stein just tweeted something else. Nico Harrison has strong relationships with numerous players around the league through his longtime Nike work in the Mavericks. Uh, today began contract negotiations with what the team deemed its top targets to replace Donnie Nelson and Rick Carlisle. So kind of what we talked about. Uh, the relationships are the big factor here. So it'll be interesting to see if this works out. And it, it makes you wonder if this does, if, if he does succeed, do we start seeing other, you know, shoot sneaker executives coming over to the NBA side? Because right. that's been like the big, the biggest, uh, not a big secret, but for a long time, some of the guys that wielded the most power in basketball were these top sneaker executives, whether it's Sonny Vaccaro uh, or, you know, guys from Nike, guys from Jordan, guys from Adidas. Like these guys have a lot of power and a lot of connections. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens there real quick. Uh, I do want to get one last question in from Steven. Who were the front runners for the magic head coaching job? Any more confirmed interviews outside of Hammond? I think, yeah, Hammond there. Um, Spencer, have you seen anything on the magic head coaching job and what are your thoughts on what Orlando should do? Uh, I think, that uh Hammond he means Becky Hammond right yeah I think so too yeah yeah yeah, John Hammond interviewed Becky Hammond (laughs) I was gonna say yeah I know Hammond's got the yeah but uh you know I I don't I didn't see any other you know interviews that are are set up but just from a uh just a speculative standpoint and a fit standpoint you obviously think that someone who's younger or someone who's dealt with development would be a good fit right so uh Brian mentioned Brian Fritz on our podcast keep it at 94 mentioned earlier uh, that he thinks that a Kenny Atkinson would be a good fit for them. I totally um, agree. I, I probably was in the mindset of a David Vanterpool um, that that could really help with the development of those young guys. Um, <laughs> you know, Becky would obviously be a fit pretty much for any organization because she's dealt with both development and championship players. Um, I personally would love to see Becky succeed Pop, uh, but we'll see when Pop decides to hang it up. He's probably 112 years old, but, um, (laughs) but, uh, nothing, you know, concrete on the magic front. I feel like that's been a little bit of a, um, a slower, uh, slower process than, than most others. I'm glad you mentioned Vanderpool because I feel like, you know, he, he gets a lot of interviews. He's been linked to a lot of jobs, but it blows my mind that he's not a head coach already. And you're right. I'm of the belief that there's different kinds of coaches. There's, you know, the kind of coaches that are more developmental and will create a strong culture and, you know, provide the structure that players need. And you have certain coaches that are more, you know, win now championship level coaches that'll push you over the edge. The magic obviously needs someone that's, you know, more developmental and can help these young guys maximize their full potential, help develop them. Um, Steven says the magic always seem to be slow with, with, uh, low rumors. Thanks for your opinion and thoughts. Yeah. I would go with someone like Vanterpool or, uh, someone else that's, you know, a strong, developer of talent we saw Vanderpool work with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum and a number of Blazers players when he was there and he's you know since then he's been in Minnesota and some other places and you know he's widely respected for getting the most out of guys and he's also you know we talk about strong relationships he has so many strong relationships with a lot of these players to the point that when Vanderpool didn't get the interim job uh or the head coaching job in Minnesota Damian Lillard was tweeting and being and was all upset about it uh understandably so so I think he would be a phenomenal hire for, for this team. Uh, I think, again, Atkinson is another great example of a guy that we saw went to Brooklyn. They didn't have much on that roster. He kind of created a culture, got the most out of Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, uh, Joe Harris, and look what they became. So someone that can kind of create that culture. I do think that the Magic have done a good job with, you know, Weltman and Hammond of creating that culture, uh, but someone that can kind of take it over the top and, you know, 
fill that gap from a coaching perspective will be really good. One last thing before we jump off here and watch this playoff game. Uh, Woj is now also tweeting about Nico Harrison. Um, said that he's been pursued for several front office jobs in recent years, but would not leave Nike in the past. He's well-respected and connected to many of the game's best players. Tim McMahon adds that he has a strong relationship with many players throughout the NBA, including Luka Doncic. So there you go. That <laughs> makes a lot more sense now. Uh, it does. <laughs> so it sounds like the organization, maybe after that athletic article or knowing there's some dysfunction and that Luka was kind of frustrated, they say, okay, who do you want a head coach? Someone like Jason Kidd, who you can learn from. A lot of players love and respect Jason Kidd. Who do you want as uh, a front office executive? Let's go hire the guy that works with you at Nike and that you're close with. It seems like these are moves that can be made to appease Luca. So very interesting time in Dallas. Uh, I think we were all kind of watching that situation to see what was going to happen uh, after losing two guys that were there for for over a decade. You know, in Donnie Nelson's case, two decades. Uh, moving on from Carlisle and Nelson. So we'll see what happens there. Shout out to uh, people in the chat. Are you getting their uh, their their playoff? uh predictions in here their thoughts uh let's go watch these playoff games we appreciate everyone hanging out with us we'll be back next thursday uh oliver will be back then as well he's on a business trip so appreciate <laughs> you filling in spencer uh did a great job and uh everyone check out spencer's amazing work at basketballnews.com he's been killing it as far as articles his podcast keep it at 94 is amazing as well comes out every week so check that out an apple podcast spotify anywhere you listen to podcasts spencer anything else would i miss Nah, brother. I think it's good. Thanks for the plug. I appreciate it. Check out Alex. Great work, too. Appreciate that. Everyone, uh, go give Spencer a follow on Twitter, too, at Spin Davies. And until next time, thanks for hanging out with us. 